This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Land and Legacy Podcast here. It's been a little while. Matt, you're on the line, right? Yes, sir. Perfect. I'm here. Yeah. Um, I've been laughing this week as I uh, I talked to Chad. I've talked to you guys, uh, you and Chad, uh, about the only three people, two people I talk to that aren't uh, on, a, on a regular right now um, with work and, and family and kids. And so it's like you two are the outsiders that I talk to to know what's going on in the world. Nobody else I really talk to other than Kyle and Frank a little bit uh, and clients. But I've been out. I, I was I was laughing this week as I, I said I almost feel like I've been on a on a sabbatical or something. <laughs> was it? I think sabbaticals are supposed to be like where you rest and get your mind clear and get your heart spiritually. Oh, um, well, I definitely clear. went on so that. I don't know if that was a sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it a little bit. I, you uh, know, even you know, running uh, people have asked in the last. 12 months if i'm burning the candle at both ends i said and trying to light it up somewhere in the middle too um life has been pretty hectic and uh so sabbatical i don't know you know but uh a little bit of a of a i just changed my speed or my pace for a different race in life and uh, in case you didn't know what shoot uh into february my wife and i we had our third child and uh and so I was, I was MIA, and then you and Chad, right before that, you yep. went to NWTF and recorded a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of podcasts, and we've just been releasing those since then. And so I haven't been on the podcast since probably sometime in mid February. So I've got a lot on my mind, and, and there's been a lot going on here. So uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to crank them out. Sweet. So you had you've had. Uh, just obviously ample time to just be digesting different things and pondering some thoughts and, and probably jotting them down. I know I've gotten a couple of uh, ideas, podcast ideas that, that we are kind of in the works for that I'm excited for in the coming weeks. But, but this is going to be more of just like a kind of a, a recap and bring everyone up to speed on, mm-hmm. on some new things that are happening out in the world. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm trying to think here how, which direction I want to go, because, um, we're going to have three, three podcasts this week. And, um, the one thing that I told you is I've got a topic, but I don't want to tell it to you because I want to leave you in the dark, which I don't normally do. You don't do that to me, but in this case, I wanted the initial reaction from you that wasn't as scripted as it could have been in the past where you kind of get your thoughts around and, and go with it. So I've, I've for, for the listeners, I've, I've left Matt in the dark on this, on this whole, you know, it could be the entire podcast. I don't know, but this portion Matt's in the dark and doesn't know which direction I'm going. I'm trusting you. And, uh, it's good. So I if promise I you. Have, if, if, uh, if I have a, um, harsh or immediate reaction to something everyone forgives me <laughs> yeah so I, I, now now i'm excited let's go okay so over the course of the last two months really but the last couple of years there has been not just a decline in wild turkeys but more awareness to the decline in wild turkeys And in that awareness, we've looked at researchers like Dr. Mike Mike Chamberlain and Dr. Brett Collier, and now Dr. Will Goolsby is doing some research. These are kind of, and not to discredit or shadow any other researchers that may or may not be doing research for wild turkey, but these are guys are kind of like what most of the people are looking at in the in the research arena. At, at researching the decline of the wild turkey and trying to understand what has 
led to the decline? Could it be this or that and this and that and X, Y, Z and ABC and one, two, three, and all these different factors. And we've said this once and we've said it over and over and we said it, um, even on the hunting public collaboration we did a few weeks ago, in case people aren't aware of that or saw that, go to YouTube and look at the hunting public. I'm sure most of our listeners or a lot of our listeners watch them at some capacity. So you may or may not have seen two videos we did with those guys when we really talked about a lot of work to do on Aaron's father's property, um, his family farm. And so we talked about it on there. There's many factors leading to the decline of the wild turkey. And in some capacity, everyone's right with what they say has led to it, whether it be predators, spring, spring rains, heavy floods, loss of habitat, overhunting, early opening seasons, lack of insects, you name it, some of it has led to the decline of wild turkeys. But, and I'm, I'm, I'm honestly having a hard time controlling my emotions right now and my emotions of rage or anger because of what's happened in the last few months that I've seen shared on many channels and many posts across social media. And I finally took some time, which I don't have much right now with a two week old baby and, and uh, basically three kids under three and a half. There's not much time in my household to just read research but I found a little time and what I found infuriated me at what I've seen happen in the last few months especially because uh I'll just start unpacking it all right Matt you probably at some point in the last few months have seen some sort of post that says an evaluation of artificial wild turkey nests monitored by automatic cameras. Number of nests predators uh, and percentages for identified nest predators at land between the lakes. Raccoons, opossums, and skunks were the primary nest predators at land between the lakes. Nest predators. That doesn't make sense. Nest, okay. Raccoons, opossums, and skunks were the primary nest predators at the land between the lakes nest pr- predators. That doesn't even make sense. Total, 107 nests dash 100% destroyed. And then it lists out the predators and the percentage that they predated on those nests. So when you see that, Matt, what do you assume? And it's written... So you see that 107 nests were destroyed by predators, correct? I mean, it says 100%. So 100% destroyed, okay? And I'm seeing this shared on Instagram and Facebook and mentioned in videos. And if you were like me as a listener, and I know you, Matt, when you hear that, I know how I reacted when I saw that. Huh. How come I never heard of that research? That's interesting. Because, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll emphasize that trapping or predator research all the way to 2022, so the last, let's just say the last 40 years, there's been no blatantly obvious research that says removing predators equals more prey. There's been research done that suggests that in some major operation greater than a greater than a thousand acres typically actually I think it might be greater than 10,000 and I should look that up to make sure of that before I even mention it. But there has been very little research that ever has proven, hey, you trap predators. Okay, it's greater than 10,000 acres. So one research was done in North Dakota where basically it was um, three to four months of trapping three for three years. The, the uh, species study was ducks. It was done over 10,000 acres, replicated eight times. 
Um, and that suggested uh, basically removing mammal predators um, and upland nesting ducks. It increased it. Then another one was done where it was greater than 23,000 acre blocks, replicated 12 times, four months of trapping per year for two years. Um, and it was also for ducks. And that one was in, uh, that one doesn't say where that one was at. I'm looking at a, a, univers- a fire university or University of Florida, Florida Deer Lab post. Marcus Lashley sent this over to me um, a while back. And so there's been a little bit of research that shows that major, and there was also some done at Tall Timbers, that it was that was almost year-round trapping. People's job was trapping specifically. Like, it has been very hard for, for researchers to prove that removing predators equals more prey. And that's why we advocate so much that, hey, you got to do habitat. That's, that's, the, that's the best return on your investment is habitat um, habitat improvement, habitat management, and then if time allows, do some trapping. But don't think you're going to go out and trap on your 200 acres or 80 acres or 500 acres for two months out of the year on the weekends and make a huge impact. It just won't happen. It just, and and if you think that you're seeing it, you're opening yourself up for the anecdotal opinion where you're like, I did this and it helped. Well, prove it. And in the research world, that's that's the big part. You got to be able to show your research. And many of us can't show our research when we're just out on our farm doing hobby work. And all of a sudden we think we notice an increase. Like, for example, on, on the Woodlands farm, we've done a lot of work here in the last couple of years. We've done some big burns. We've done some timber harvesting. We've even done some TSI. And the turkeys seem to be coming back. But we can't tell you, hey, because of TSI, turkeys are, are four times greater than they were three years ago. We can just tell you we're seeing more turkeys than we did three years ago. Now, is it because of our work? Could be. I think a lot of it has to do with that. But it could just be that we've had great hatches the last two years. I don't know, but we do know that turkeys are increasing in numbers on the woodlands. Matt, you still tracking? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little lost. Uh, I'd like for he, you to tie it back into the way you started. Oh, yeah. You get ready. Get ready. I'm trying to really emphasize what's happened to all of us that have read this and took it as, huh, there must be some research. I, that I haven't heard of that research, okay? Because what happened is just a gross misuse of research. I don't know if it was, and I hate to make any kind of assumptions, but and I'm not even going to mention where this came from, but there's basically, this was either a bad understanding of research, misunderstood the research, or had a personal bias in trying to use that to add credit to your opinion of what you believe has happened to the wild turkey. I don't know which one, but it's bad all the way around. And I hope that each person that has shared this post or this research in the last two months will reevaluate and maybe even clear the air because what's being shared in 100% of the nests destroyed is wrong. And I'll explain why. So they're referencing referencing this land between the lakes research which is from the 1980 wild turkey symposium the research was done in 1978 and if if you're like me when a research when i first saw that come across my computer i was like that's interesting but i didn't have time to go read the research chad chainsaw chad he read it a few weeks ago and said hey you ought to read that i just i mean <laughs> We had another kid. I didn't get to it till just this week. And then when I read it, I was just downright irritated. If you can't tell still, the more I read it, the more I'm like, how can this happen? This has been, you know, in 2022, we're coming out of the pandemic. Praise the Lord. And misinformation has been so used over the last two years. And here I am reading posts in our 
in our circle of the world, Matt, in our part of the world, natural resource management, habitat management, all those things. And here we are looking at horrible misuse of information. So I'm going to, the reason I left you in the dark, Matt, now to, to bring it back so you understand, I'm going to start reading this research to you from this research paper. It's, it's only like five pages long um, of actual research. And I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the researchers. Now, I would doubt that any of the people that were responsible for this are listening, but I'm, I'm going to say it's 1978, fellas. Like, you know, we're a little outdated. But here we are looking at this research from 1978, where the title well, of it I is... I, I just would first, would first say I think what's important, the reason that you're saying 1978 and bringing that up multiple times is that the landscape has changed. The distribution of the wild turkey uh, has changed. Well, that, there, that, a, that's not that, the point. That, You'll understand why I said that here in when I read the, the tools I'm, that these researchers had at their disposal. I understand. I understand. I'm just saying I'm giving context to the, to the fact that like things change and we want when we're making management decisions to have the most current up-to-date information that we can apply to whatever it is we're dealing with. Like it's not, that stuff is decent to learn from, but like there's a lot more fresher research out there that probably, like I said, has new technologies that have been applied. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of stuff that when you're looking and evaluating research, you do want to look for the most current stuff. Yeah, no doubt. Because what do they say? They say that ultimately, and we're not researchers, but we're around enough of them, but it's the, the natural progression of a, of a biologist or a researcher is that you do this research and then you spend your career trying to either prove it wrong or defend it. And so some people, they do the research and then they continue to try to find more research to see if that was truly correct use the new tools that continue new technology that comes out and see if they can find out anything else. But if we're looking at this 1978 research and trying to use it in our defense of that predators are the problem with the wild turkeys, this is a bad, bad, bad research paper to use for that. And I'll, here, here we go. So the title of it is an evaluation of artificial wild turkey nests monitored, monitored by automatic cameras. Automatic cameras. So some of the first trail cameras that ever came out, most likely. Some some form or fashion of a trail camera, correct? Because yep. the first trail cameras to come out were really around the 80s and in the 80s. And from a kid who you, who bought my first trail camera in 19, what year had that been? 1998? 1997? They were bad, man. Film cameras, horrible triggers, terrible battery life. And so so dial it back almost 20 years to 1978, and that's what they're using, okay? So it was done at Land Between the Legs by, it was a corporation with uh, Department of Biological Services, Murray State University, uh, a couple different guys, and... Um, I'm just going to read some highlighted notes over the course of this. So when you hear artificial nests, Matt, what are you, what are you expecting? <laughs> well, I'm expecting that it wasn't a hen that placed a nest. Um, and, and, and I'd have to think artificial. Well, what, what kind of egg are we talking about and why were sites chosen? Like it, there's obviously a human element into all of yeah. that. You're artificial. Yeah. So I was talking to Kyle and Frank, and they said, you know, generally we always hear that we've heard from some other biologists who do a lot of research that they say that you can probably account for 10% more predation on on uh, artificial nests than real nests because, uh, because hens are much better at hiding nests than we are. So generally, th- that research can tell us that, hey, <laughs> it's a... Uh, um, they're better at hiding them than we are. So, you know, there's going to be more predation on them. In this research, um, basically, I'm going to say they they were highlighting, so they just were trying to find predation 
um, and, and the reactions of, of those predators and how they predated on these nests. So factors reported in the literature as adversely affecting artificial nests, survival rates included human scent trails leading between nests and markers used to locate nests. So that was previous research. So they're acknowledging that ultimately the human scent comes into play when you're monitoring these nests, okay? Um, You and I both know it, but anytime you're out on a landscape and you're around it a lot, there's going to be, you're leaving scent regardless if you want to or not. We know how it's almost impossible to act like your scent has never left and especially animals that have really good sense of smell aren't smelling you in some form or fashion. Um, the study area was about 72,000 acres land between the lakes of yarn aware. It's between Lake Barkley and, uh, Kentucky Lake over in Western, uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. And, um, it's a beautiful area. Mixed hardwood forest has increased since 1966 and covers approximately 90% of the area. So we're going to assume pretty, pretty good chunk of timber over there, right? Almost, 70, almost 73,000 acres, and 90% of that is oak, hick, oak hickory forest, basically, or mixed hardwood forest. Open land makes up about 10% of that area and consists of bottomland fields, utility right-of-ways, and recently constructed, constructed uh, wooded openings of one to three hectare area. These areas are currently managed on a four-year rotation of bush hogging, disking, and wildlife food plots. That seems about normal, right? That's about the the most. I didn't hear anything about fire, which is unfortunate, but at no shock, given this is the heyday of Smokey the Bear. Yep. Um, 30 Polaroid one-step automatic cameras were modified for use with a remote switch associated with an artificial nest platform. Platform. I'm, I'm emphasizing that an artificial nest platform platform what as i read this i'm like what this doesn't make sense the modifications to the camera are described in more detail elsewhere and it mentions on some other guy's unpublished report a resistor compactor unit was added to prevent discharge of the batteries located in the film pack the cameras were placed in boxes constructed from nine and a half millimeter exterior plywood the boxes were painted flat black for additional weatherproofing. The boxes were mounted on 15.8 millimeter by 19, uh, 19, 914 centimeter dowel rods. Um, flash bars allowing five consecutive photographs and a maximum of 10 photographs were added at the time of the nest construction. Platform boxes for catching and protecting exposed photographs from the elements were also attached at the nest site. Sounds like a whole lot of man-made material to me, doesn't it, you? <laughs> Sounds like it wouldn't blend in very well. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, my. Oh, it gets better. Uh, so um, in the experimental design for evaluating the effects of the camera equipment and human scent on nest survival rates required following the experimental control groups. So here's the groups. Number one was artificial nests equipped with automatic cameras and constructed, constructed, monitored, and maintained while wearing rubber gloves Rubber boots and gloves composed of experimental group number one. Group number two, experimental group number two, consisted of artificial nests constructed, monitored, and maintained while wearing rubber boots and rubber gloves. Number three was the control group number one, consisted of artificial nests constructed, monitored, and maintained while wearing leather shoes and no gloves. And then number four, artificial nests equipped with dummy cameras and constructed monitored and maintained while wearing leather shoes and no gloves composed control group number two. So ultimately the, at this point, I'm really not even worried about what in the world they're wearing. I'm worried about the giant contraptions out there. Right. I, I, I'm just like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're wearing rubber boots or a, a hazmat suit, you yeah. built a platform to put an, artificial nest on that has a big or has a black box not just a a plywood which we know has smell painted which we know has tons of smell hanging on dowel rods 
Well, that plus just the fact that <clears throat> most of these meso mammals, they are very curious creatures. They walk around at night mm-hmm. and like they are, they live and die by their nose a lot of times. And so, I mean, you've seen coons and trash cans. They're pretty bold. Like yeah. for, for something, some big, large object, not only the scent of, of eggs being out there, but just this brand new feature on the landscape is going to draw unnatural attention to an area. Yeah. And then they find out, wow, there's a Scooby tomac here too. <laughs> yeah, just wait. So habitat preferences for nesting wild turkeys were described by uh, Speak 1975 research. Old fields, wood openings, and upland hardwood areas are preferred sites. All artificial nests employed in this investigation were established either in open areas or within 50 meters of an opening or woods road. All artificial nests were placed within 200 meters of a permanent water supply. Oh. So what do you know about raccoons? They got to help. I mean, they are... They are on the banks every single night. Creeks, ponds, (laughs) fresh tracks nightly. 200 meters away are all these nests. Um, Nests were established with with 6 to 10 fresh white chicken eggs. Eggs were replaced. The nests were established with 6 to 10 fresh white chicken eggs. Eggs were replaced at two-week intervals in nests not destroyed by predators to minimize the possibility of the odor of rotten eggs are uh, attracting predators. Once an artificial nest was destroyed by predators, a new artificial nest was constructed in a new location to increase the sample size in all experimental and control groups. The nests were checked every 24 to 36 hours. Oh, boy. So every 24 to 36 hours, somebody's walking in to check it, adding, and, and, a, adding more scent. The, the thing that <clears throat> I guess I'm not, I'm not terribly chicken egg, turkey egg, like it's an egg, like it has the same odor. Would, that, as a, that would have the same um, attraction to a mammal, right, Who, who's trying to predate on yeah. a nest. That's, that's not really worrisome, but it, again, it's like the contra- this contraption mindset and then the, the continual disturbance, whether you're wearing rubber boots, whether you're wearing leather boots, it, it doesn't matter. You're in there 24, 36 hours. You're yeah. going to have scent. Yep. Okay? Yep. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I can cut out that's irrelevant. None of it's irrelevant, but it's well, boring this, to some people. At least, at I, least during the the um, you know the experimental review and, and such, the information is there and provided in this research to be able to come back to it and say, okay, here's the way it was done. Here's here's all the things that were applied. And again, now that we have so much more science at our fingertips. You know, we can put a trail camera on a tree. We don't have to build all these contraptions to to study things, right? Like, thank goodness that like that information is available, so we can I don't say like pick apart, but we can yeah. learn, right? Like that, yeah. that's valuable. And I mean, here's here's what I took away. You did this is a an artificial nest that you use. You know, regardless of all the other stuff, but you use six to ten plain white chicken eggs. Now, turkey eggs have a cream color, but they're not white, white. They don't stick out like a white chicken egg. They're, they're cream and brown speckled. Yeah, so they don't, they certainly don't stick out like you would think, you know? And, yep. or don't stick out nearly as much as uh, a plain white chicken fresh egg white. or a fresh white chicken egg, as it as it says. So, um, another thing that mentioned here... Um, Cameras, uh, each unit required five to ten minutes for site preparation and positioning of the camera. Routine maintenance, including repositioning the camera, replacement of discharge film packs, and installation of the resistor capacitor units. Early in the investigation, it was necessary to add resistor compactor units 
to all the cameras. The plywood nest platform and the nesting materials became water-soaked and would depress the switch, resulting in a discharged film pack battery. The film pack battery would discharge in one to four hours if the switch remained depressed. So ultimately, keep in mind, this is 1978. Trail cameras were more like, and I, I might have cut that out. I forget where it says it, but Ultimately, they were triggered by trip wires. They weren't motion activated. They were, they were activated Correct. by, by uh, something walking through a string or a wire and triggering it to go off. So they arranged these cameras to then instead of so they removed that and caused it to be weight distribution distributed by this platform. So when a predator stepped on the platform and and moved that, that's when it started taking pictures. Okay, so. It's a lot different than you and I having a hundred trail cameras going making false nests and and monitoring that way. But still, we, we know results would be different at that point. Yeah, and but even still, it's still plain white chicken eggs. Like it's not no disrespect, but this is 1978 research here. This is what they had. Nest predators, wild turkeys, commonly reported in the literature include. They list out all these species. All right, you remember that. That, that post that's been going around said 100% of nests destroyed. Yeah. I recall it. And it said 107 nests. Yep. There was 129 artificial nests of the total of 133 were utilized in all calculations in this investigation. One nest was excluded because it was it became impossible to monitor due to administrative problems. Three additional nests were destroyed by fallow deer, and they were excluded from all calculations. So 129 were used in this data. So yeah, who is spreading this information saying 107 percent or 107 nests were destroyed, and that's 100 percent of the nests? Is that bad science or bad understanding, not having the ability to read the research, or is that just lying to me? Because I don't know. Either way, it's bad. I mean, uh, as we're getting through a lot of the study here, right, like it's it's pretty evident, I guess someone would say, that there's, I I don't know, I wouldn't say necessarily agendas, but there's just a lot of emphasis placed on predators and it's like let's search and search and search and find stuff that like makes this point more valid and then once you dig into the research though you find that like this isn't really applicable this research sure but but we can really sit back and say well this isn't really at, at all the way that natural world works like it's not it's not a great representation of of anything that happens on the landscape and then even further point is like the numbers they're just not adding up like i don't call it necessarily like it's just it's just false representation of of honestly the the point that's trying to be made and mm-hmm. uh that's not, not cool because i mean again the wild turkey needs it needs everyone mm-hmm. it needs it needs people who are going to take time and work outside and, and, you know, take action and take steps towards improvement of habitat, you know, and all these different facets. And like you said at the very beginning, there's, there's so many different ways in different regions. And then within the, every region, these variables probably play different degrees, right? Uh, Of, okay, well, maybe predators is a worse situation here than it is, and there and so on and so forth so like this target of understanding what to do on your property to improve the wild turkey and in your region it's just different but but then when you on top of that throw in anecdotal i want to use research that makes my opinion because i feel like it's important speak more volumes than what it really does like we're not getting anywhere. Like we're, that's not beneficial. That's more of like a distractor to what value us as hunters and conservationists, landowners, habitat managers can actually go out and do like that. It, it's almost like I want to prove my point because my point kind of situation, then then really truly going to be benefiting the actual Turkey 
the resource itself when like information like that is, if you will, put up on a pedestal. And, and it's a shame because like, dude, we're kind of in this space. Chad sent it to us both. You were able to read it. I haven't even read it. So, so, so what I'm saying is like, how can, let's just say the audience, they may have seen this research. They may have seen it come across Facebook, but like the time it takes to be able to go and actually read the details we're just getting like the cliff notes version in a daggum Facebook post, but and I hadn't even gone back and read it. Exactly. And, and I loved it. And when you right? click on, and when you click on it, it's like a 250 page document. So you got to yeah. know what you're going to trying to find. And so, right. and, and you have to scroll through until you find the state of Tennessee. And then you'll find this, I think it's like eight pages, but five of it's the actual research. And then you can read it. How many people are actually doing that? Rather, they're seeing the post, link it, and then they're seeing 107 nests destroyed. A hundred percent of the nests were destroyed by predators in this night in this research. And I've seen people say, "Well, there's some new research, or there's some research that suggests that 100 percent of nests were destroyed because of predators." Guess we need to trap predators. That's the number one problem for wild turkey. This is just bad research to start with. And then you take yep. in the fact that it, that that it was it was read and then turned into a a, a, a briefing that was incorrect. Correct. So I I, I, I asked I asked Dr. Brett Collier, which he was like, "Use my name, I don't care." I said, "How on a scale of one to ten, how?" Um. I want to make sure I get this right, especially when I when I'm talking to somebody. I want to make sure I have it right, you know. Um, let's see here. Have you seen um, duh, 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 duh. on a scale of one to ten? How much credit do you give artificial nests on plywood as being quality research? On a scale of one to ten, he said negative thirty-seven point two. <laughs> respectfully <laughs> respectfully so i mean dude like the, imagine i'm just sitting here going okay i'm a research in 1978 and we're trying to do cutting edge just research on on wild turkeys i'm putting out you know artificial nests i'm trying to replicate a wild turkey hen laying a nest the at the point plywood was pulled out i'm already out at the point a big nest of white chicken eggs which i just i automatically in my head i'm like that's like a beacon for a crow which was how much how much the crows birds destroy birds destroyed five nests so four almost almost five percent of the nests were destroyed by birds raccoons were the number one predator but when i saw it was 200 meters from water which then you okay 90 percent of the ground is timber and they're trying to put it in they were trying to put these in an openings or next to roads. We've cut out so many acres. Then within those few acres, or those not few, but let's just say less than 10,000 acres, now we have to find permanent water sources and then go within to, like this is a pretty small scale. So I'm imagining, regardless if you move the nest, if it's around this close to the same water hole, the same raccoons now, hey, if you find plywood, look for the eggs on top. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's learned behavior at, at kind of this point. It is take aware, take take in the situation, right? And then once you smell that paint, once you smell the batteries, once you smell the human intrusion, lead. Oh, plywood. Yep, here they are. Found them again. Found them tonight. Thanks, guys. Are you <laughs> exactly this, like tomorrow? I'm I'm, I'm gonna lay in the tree, and I'm I'm laying in my tree tonight, and I'm looking for or today, and I'm looking for you guys, and wherever I see a human coming through the woods, I'm gonna follow that guy because he's got chicken yeah. eggs. That's right. Well, and and here's the thing, Adam. I guess you know, as as it all kind of shakes down, and maybe a wrap <laughs> up of my thoughts on it is is again, it's 1978. Like it's perspective to the time frame and to um, the, the research. I'm not, I'm not as upset with the research because if, if you take time and you read it, you can make these, these, um, same, wow, I don't know, the, the same understandings that, that we're talking about right now, right? It's like, oh, okay, that's what they use. It's what they had. Yeah. I don't really agree or like that. Like, 
they're 100% clear, 100% open about everything that took place, as research should be. So, okay, not upset with that. It's just up to, you know, our understanding to interpret maybe how that how that unnatural artificial situation is going to actually play out in nature, right? So it's not, it's, it's apples and oranges, okay? I yeah. can clearly see that. But what is the most frustrating part is, is when people in current day, current day who know better, take the research that's outdated and, and are not forthcoming with the methods that were applied to get the research and then just basically tailor it to, again, a, an opinion that they want to make. And then it does get spread, and and in the height of a of a maybe you know a wildlife issue, people are getting bad wrong information because of the situation we just talked about. Like that's not fair, and that's not right, and that information because people are passionate. Like in in the time when people are passionate about trying to do something. You're, you're feeding them bad information because of research that you've cherry-picked some, some stats out of? No. That's right. No. It, 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 to me, this is no different than if you and I read some of Dr. Brett Collier or even Craig Harper, uh, Mike Chamberlain, any of our favorite, Bronson Strickland, Marcus Lash, any of our favorite researchers, we took what they did and said, hey, this really fits our, you know, they did some research and found that, um, you need to, uh, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of a bias thing that you and I would have towards. And I'm like, oh, they found that planting this increased, or we took one little tidbit and we tweaked it and made it now lying by omission. You just withhold the whole truth. And we put that out there and blast it, campaign it on social media and say, hey, that right there, that's the research. Research proves. It's like, no. No, it doesn't prove it. It proves that you either didn't know how to read it or you 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 hid the truth from us. But it's just, you know, the, I'll reiterate. The research isn't bad. It's 1978 research. Like, they they did what they had available. Now, I would like to think that, you know, if I was in 1978, I'd say, you know, I don't really feel like this is a good representation of a wild turkey nest. But they still didn't, as bad, here's the thing, Matt, real quick, here's the thing, as bad as that was, a platform, a black box, a dowel rod, constant uh, disturbance with checking it, still not all the nests were destroyed. How did some of them make it through the cracks? How? Look at fur prices from 1978 when this was done. They're using this research almost to suggest that predators are the problem with wild turkey. I look at it saying predators have always been a problem, even when we make it easier for them to find eggs. They're still not getting all the nests. Well, I guess here's the thing that just real surface level, not even diving deep, if, if all nests were consumed, I get in the study it's artificial, but if that was the case in the field, like in the real turkey world, then we wouldn't have turkeys today. No. Correct? No. Right? I mean, if they're, if all of them are being consumed, if that research or if that social media post was true, then then you're not hunting turkeys this spring. That's right. Because there wouldn't be any. If you look at fur I mean, prices, we're a little bit of like we've got to just be careful. We have to be resourceful in the things that we read, and and um, you know, I'm not. <laughs> there's just we we see this same thing situation happen in just the modern news of of, of any kind of topic, right? Yep. There's just personal biases applied. It doesn't matter what side you're on. It doesn't matter in this discussion, but there are personal biases. And this is an example of what we're seeing, uh, personal bias applied to uh, information. But it's like, you know, you said, uh, you know, I'm not terribly mad at the, the, the research, whatever, but it's like, you know, I'm not going to go back in time to like, let's say, um, you know, like, like let's, let's say during the Civil War, right? Like, 
they're if someone got shot in the leg, they're cutting that joker off. Like they're amputating it, right? Because back then the mod, the medicine of the time said that was their only way to survive, take the leg. Mm-hmm. Well, today we're not seeing as many people like that, right? Like yeah. we have other advances. So it's like I'm not going to just take that information from way back when and then just try and apply it to right now. Uh, even right. just changing the trail camera. I mean, even if you if you did yeah. this exact same research and you just use ten to t- uh, six to ten fresh white chicken eggs and you made artificial nests looking for the yep. same permanent water source within 200 meters, but then you use today's modern trail camera, it would be a totally different because you wouldn't. The batteries would last. You, it's a digital camera. You wouldn't have to go and check it. You oh, could literally it, it, leave the eggs out for two weeks, go give it a fresh batch, get rid of the rotten eggs, and get out of there. Well, even even on top of that, there's not a hen sitting on that nest. And some may say, well, that's just more scent. And, and yeah, I mean, sure it is. But there is still the hen will fend off, to some degree, a predator. Like yeah. she's going to put up well, a little bit of a fight. And this study, these are just eggs. This, uh, these are sitting uh, ducks itself. Here's a little. Uh, I reached out to a friend of ours, and and he's and he basically said, the stim, the simulated nest has some severe biases, which have been addressed since, and why you don't see these types of studies more recent. It is stimulate or it is simulating an abandoned nest more, most accurately, right. which in in quotes, which would have failed anyway. End quote. And it's not taking into account the hen being there hides it. She may defend yeah. it to some degree or use herself to decoy predators away, not to mention the eggs likely spoil and that itself attracts predators. Another problem is that we rarely do these studies in a place where turkey repro isn't already noticeably a problem. In any case, none of it actually addresses why predators are abundant and problematic when they, uh, when they are. So this is driven by, and it goes on, but ultimately it, it's, it's simulating a, an abandoned nest because most nests have a hen sitting on top. So it doesn't matter yeah. if the eggs are white, black, green, purple, blue. The hen's covering them. And in this case, they're not. And so, yeah. I, I, and, but to me, like, the, the big thing that Chad, that Chad, like, we looked at it a couple different ways. When I looked at it, I just saw that it was blatantly dishonest in the fact that it said 107 in the nest, 100% of them were destroyed. Well, yes, 107 in the nest were destroyed by predators, but that's not 100% of the nest. And so right. that was the big thing that by that, I, it took a little while to, to talk me down off of the, of the, of the soapbox. But as Chad goes, he goes, look at the fur prices. 1978, isn't that like the peak of raccoon fur prices? Which it is. It's like right there, late 80s. Is is uh, I'm looking right here from DNR of Wisconsin. The late 80s was the, the highest peak from 1930 to 2020, I believe. The highest pr- uh, trapped raccoon numbers were... Right there in the late seventies. So, for these guys that are saying, "Hey, we need we need less predators to then um, have more prey," it's like even when the most were removed in trapping, they're still getting nests at a pretty good click, pretty good number. So I, I'm like, that's it. I look at it like. <laughs> that's 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 just one of the problems. It's always going to be there, regardless if we put bounties on all these predators. There's still there's still going to be predators on the landscape, and they're still going to eat nests. That's that's what they do. That's yeah. what they're designed to do. We're not going to change that. We're not going to trap them out of existence. Nor nor would that be at all in any way, shape, or form as a conservationist the right move or the objective. It's like so, not not to go political, different. but some of these people are are upset over the climate change and the methane uh, methane gas from cows, and it's like you're not going to change it. You got cows going to produce methane gas unless you just remove all the cows. That is what they're going to do. Same thing. A predator on the landscape, he is going to eat nests and prey species. That's just what he does. Yeah. So. There you go. I told you, I don't, I don't know if I would bank on other topics because this one's going to go for a while. 
Well, I, I I guess I would just say to people, man, let's let's be let's just be careful of, of the things that we read, the things that we share, and um, you know, do do take a take a few extra minutes. Don't make that necessarily um, knee jerk reaction to to hit share. Let's really think about the things that are out there because unfortunately there are people who do want to have and put personal biases on things that that aren't scientific yeah. um or, or or that that are practical or, or uh, i guess i should say not fully true and then just shed emphasis on things that we shouldn't be accom- trying to accomplish and uh, we're not against at all trapping not at all but it has its place and and if we're thinking that trapping predators or placing a bounty on predators is going to change the outcome for the wild turkey, then we have misunderstood the wild turkey and its needs. That's right. I, I, I was just like, my Atlanta, because I had just seen the, 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 the post that I had mentioned earlier at the beginning of this podcast. I just seen that on two. I saw it on Instagram and I saw it on Facebook and I was like, this is going around and it's completely false. And yeah. no and and I would bet you 99% of the people don't even realize it's false. And that's just yeah. that's just one side of it. The other side is if they actually read the research they would be like, "Ugh. I don't know if I want to use that one as what's on my side." Right. That's not. Well, I don't want to use that to prove my point regardless of my bias towards predators and wild turkeys, but I mean, if somebody brought that to me, something similar like that to in in their argument, I, it's almost laughable. And that's no disrespect to the researchers in 1978. That's what they had. Could you imagine trying to use trail cameras from 1978 for this? It'd be a disaster. Hey, you know what I would like to do? I tell you what I'd like. I'd like to get one of those cameras, and I'd like to tripwire some deer. That'd be cool. Yeah. It'd be like, yeah, could you imagine trying to run your trail cameras that way? It's just terrible, terrible, but yeah. And I got another one for you guys that it won't be an entire podcast, but it will be something coming in the future uh, that that I I kind of, I've seen a lot in social media and uh, we'll cover that probably next week or portion of the next week. Um, so anyway, it's good to be back, man. I'm I'm happy to be back on the podcast and uh we can tell. Yeah. I just up. like I yeah, pinned up some motions here. Uh I haven't had a good chance of, to vent on a microphone for a while. So um <laughs> anyway, guys, I appreciate you guys listening once again. If you can, please go and share these uh, this this podcast, share it on your social media, share it with your friends. It helps support us and helps us continue to be motivated to do all these podcasts week after week. If you can, go over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and uh, be prepared. We're getting ready. We're going through, and actually, as soon as I get done with this podcast, I've got to edit. Uh, I've got to do some sound files, uh, some audio files for some other videos. So we've got videos coming, turkey hunts. And, uh, guys, if you're already turkey hunting, good luck. Stay safe. Matt, take it over. We'll see you guys next week. Appreciate it, <laughs> that was good. Took it over and said, s- send them right out the door. All right, guys. We'll see you. <laughs>